0: For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at we are City ca. Merry Christmas, City Walk Church. How are we doing this morning? All right. Warmed up a little bit. Uh, since uh, it's it's. I woke up this morning, I was like, all right, let's see, it's going to be a little rainy and cold. And uh, this is one of those... Times of year you just, you're not sure what you're going to wake up to and and usually when it's raining here uh, at our school, if you're sitting in this section, you actually get a little bit of a fountain drip effect from the ceiling. So uh, today it's been a good day so far because we haven't had any drips from the ceiling. Uh, but we are glad that you're here. My name's Chris, I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, excited about what's going to happen this week. If you are new to city walk. Uh, We are going to have a couple Christmas Eve services. If you're not new to City Walk, then you've heard me talk about these things for about a month. But we're going to have two Christmas Eve experiences. We're going to have one at 3.30 and one at 5.30. They're going to last about an hour. And so you'll have an opportunity to come. Choose kind of the one that fits your family best or maybe the one that fits the guests that you've invited best. Come with them, and uh, then you'll have some, uh, obviously, probably things going on with your family and loved ones that evening, but we wanted to have the services early enough so that people could kind of get to where they're going uh, and and do the normal things that you do on Christmas Eve. Uh, And then next week, and this is really important for you to, to know, next week if you show up to church then you can preach and you can do the singing and you can do the kids stuff. And if you wouldn't mind setting up the coffee too, because next week we're going to have a Sabbath Sunday... And so we're not going to be having church here next Sunday morning. And so uh, if you want to show up and sit out front and have a devotional with your family, you feel free to do that. But we're not going to have church this next week. We're going to take a a week off. Uh, We have a lot of bridge builders uh, that have volunteered, many of you even sitting here that volunteer on a weekly basis. And so this is an opportunity for everybody to take a week off, spend time with their loved ones, and then we're going to be back here ready to go on the first Sunday in January, January 5th, uh, and we'll be back here at 1030 on January 5th, and, and uh, we're going to ha- we have a new series starting we'll tell you about on Christmas Eve, and uh, so January 5th, but not next week. Uh, this time of year, and you guys know this, in fact, my family last night, we uh, watched a little bit of White Christmas, and then we watched a little bit of Elf, and kind of we had both of them going. Uh, and so you you probably have have some movies that you pull out of the, you used to have to like pull them out of like the, the, where you kept your little VCR tapes and then you kept your DVDs and now you just pull them up on your Apple TV or your Amazon Fire or whatever. Uh, but but you, you have some movies that probably during this season, especially on days like today, you, you like to pull some maybe hot chocolate out and you like to find your favorite blanket and then you put that movie in and maybe for you like it's it's elf and you just have to sit down and you make your kids sit down every christmas like we are going to watch this as a family we are going to laugh at all the jokes and this is what we do maybe for you it's like man it's a wonderful life and for you that's the the one that you love to watch maybe maybe it's charlie brown christmas i mean there's a lot of different ones and if you don't like the classics, maybe you're the type that likes to watch Hallmark and watch the same plot play out 50 days in a row in 50 different movies. And you watch that and it's magical to you to watch that play out. Watch the the farmer guy get with the girl at the end and the twinkle lights in the back. It happens in every single one of the movies. Just a different version of it. You guys know that. Lori and I, we were in Nevada City this week and uh, took a picture in one front of one of the churches that was in one of the movies and sent it to my mom because she's a Hallmark freak. And, and so, but that's not part of what I was going to talk about today. Uh, but, but you guys know that you have these, these movies. Uh, my wife, when, when we were uh, dating, maybe first married, my family never, and I know this is probably terrible, we never watched the, the, the Christmas story, uh, the Ralphie story. That, like, my family never saw that movie. And so my wife, I think maybe dating, maybe just first married, introduces this to my family in Florida. Like, hey, you have to watch this movie. And so I think at that point, and this is 22 years ago, we probably went to Blockbuster Video and rented it, and we began to watch it. And I remember my family; she was Lori was so excited to show us this movie that that her family loved to watch. And I remember my family being like, "What?" As we're watching it, like when does this get good? And all these 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 things that are you know all these inside jokes that if you've watched it a lot, your family loves. Like our family, like the the major award thing, we didn't understand that. That wasn't a big deal to us. And and, and but Lori, it was a really big deal. And if you've watched that movie, and you probably have, you know that it's it's kind of. uh, The guy that tells the the movie, he's kind of the narrator, is a guy by the name of Ralphie. And this is our friend Ralphie. And and Ralphie is a kid, and he is basically narrating this movie. He's a kid that's in northern Indiana, and, and he narrates this movie and tells us all about his family. And he tells us throughout this movie you get his perspective on his brother and his eating habits. And, and you hear him talk about that. And then you, you hear him talk about his dad's major award that he got for work. And, and you hear him talk about that. But the thing that you hear Ralphie talk about the most and is like his great hope for the whole movie is that he would get something very specific on Christmas Day under the tree for him. And if you've watched the movie, you know what that is. It's the Red Ryder BB gun. And for Ralphie, his whole life is wrapped up in this hope and idea that, man, one day, hopefully this Christmas, he's going to wake up and he's going to wake up to having a Red Ryder BB gun under the the, the tree and it's going to be life-changing for him. And, And that's what his whole hope is. But, but you and I know this, and Ralphie didn't know this yet, but he probably figured it out pretty quick, that for Ralphie, his, all his hope, all his kind of Christmas hope, this is going to change my life, was in getting this gift. But you and I both know that for Ralphie, probably that Red Ryder BB gun within at least a couple years, maybe a few weeks, was going to end up under his bed or in the back of his closet. And the thing that for him was like, if I only have this, my life is complete. Within a few years, it wouldn't even be important to him. And we, we know that intuitively, and we know that even when we give gifts. And, and here's why that is, that's the case, and, and it's simply this. The people and things we place our hope in are not capable of satisfying us. The, the people and the things we place our hope in They don't have the ability to satisfy us, and and we know that intuitively, and and we're going to see that played out over the next few days as, as you you know, you're going to get that present you've wanted, or you're going to get that present for your kid that they wanted, and and they're going to be so excited about it, and then three weeks later, there's going to be a new thing they want. Or it's going to be that, that job that, man, this January, the job you've always wanted, you're going to get that job. And, man, for you, it's uh, and you've been here in your life before probably like you thought, man, if I only made 5000 more a year, what would I do with all that money? And, and you, you say that if I could only get to this level, if I could only get this job. And we all know that as soon as we get to that level, or as soon as we get that dream job, it, it starts to wear off pretty quick, and we're like, well, if I only made 5,000 more, if I could only reach this level. And, and there was a king in the, in the Bible, his name was King Solomon, and he spoke to this, and he, he said it this way, he said, he, being God, has put eternity in man's hearts. Even Solomon, he said, he said there's, there's something inside of man's hearts That can't be satisfied with anything of this world. That, That even if you're not a follower of Jesus, there's something inside of you, and you know this intuitively that knows that that job is not going to satisfy you in the long run, that knows down deep that that new toy that you get, that new car that you purchase, the new thing that you've always wanted that that you end up getting. Inside of us, we know intuitively, just like Solomon, that there's something inside of us that wants and needs something bigger than this world to ultimately satisfy us. And that's what Solomon said. He said... He said, he, God, has put eternity into man's hearts. And that's why Christmas is so important to us. Because nothing of this world can possibly satisfy what's going on in our hearts. And we know that, but we are really good at chasing things that will satisfy us for a moment. Even when we know It won't ultimately bring satisfaction. And that's why Christmas is so special. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, it's a a special season because it brings hope. Not because of something that that we hope happens or not because of something that uh, we've heard a few people talk about. We have hope because in history, a baby was born in Bethlehem. And that baby had been talked about and prophesied about hundreds and thousands of years before that baby was born. And that baby was not a normal baby. The baby was called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so this baby that was born in Bethlehem that this whole Christmas season is built around was a baby that can bring hope because he was something not of this world. He was something bigger than this world and he was something that could ultimately satisfy us in our deepest, deepest needs in our hearts. And and that's why, again, whether you follow Jesus or not or maybe you're kind of investigating faith, that's why during the Christmas season you should lean in. Because the things that you've chased all year long that haven't brought satisfaction could meet up with something that could bring ultimate satisfaction for the rest of your eternity, and that's Jesus. And and what's interesting, as you read through the story of Jesus, and and you have a few different authors in the Bible that wrote specifically about his birth, you see that, that the hope that Jesus brought when he was born, for some, wasn't actually hope. In fact, some of the characters in the Christmas story were threatened by Jesus' birth. And so you see that if you read through the, the, the writings of the New Testament, you read through some of the people that wrote about his birth, you know that, that Jesus' birth wasn't hope for everyone. In fact, for some it was threatening. For others, it brought humility. It, it was, it, people had been seeking him for years, and so you have kings that literally came and knelt before jesus and it was a time of humility and that's what jesus brought but there's one character in the the actually there are more than one but one kind of type of character in the christmas story that if you were going to leave out any of the characters this would have been the characters you would have left out because they don't belong and and you would know them whether you grew up in church or not you would know them as the shepherds And so these shepherds that that we are going to look at this morning, we're going to kind of look at things through the eyes of these shepherds that just, they weren't trying to be in the Christmas story. They don't really belong in the Christmas story from our perspective. They're kind of outsiders in this whole thing. But for whatever reason, God decided these guys would be on the front line of his son coming to earth and being born. And so The story of the shepherds start in Luke chapter 2. It'll be up on the screen, and you'll also follow it along in your app. It it, it starts in in Luke chapter 2 with the journey of a young couple to a city named Bethlehem. And and read with me. uh, You can follow along right there on the screen. It says in Luke chapter 2, it says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. That's a nice word for taxed. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And so the the story of the shepherd starts in a place called Bethlehem. It starts with this decree from Caesar Augustus that said, hey, everybody has to go back to their home so we can count them so we know how much money to take from them. That, that was basically, so this wasn't like Merry Christmas to all during this season. It was actually like, this is a pain, but we're going to do this. We're going to obey Caesar. We're going to go back to Bethlehem because that's where kind of Joseph, his home is. And so we can be counted so they can take our money. And so that's what Joseph did. But but here's the, the kind of trick to this thing, kind of what was kind of going on was Mary was really, really pregnant. And, and so... If you've ever been really, really pregnant and, you know, half of us in here have been or at least have the opportunity to be and then half of us haven't. So if you're a guy, we don't understand this. Like, babe, just get on the donkey. I mean, it's just a short, you know, three-day drive or ride on the donkey. Well, well Mary did that. So, so they took, you know, and, and you look at Joseph like, dude, not a good way to start kind of this whole betrothal, soon-to-be-married thing. This isn't a good thing. But but they go, they go to Bethlehem, and, and you know the story. Joseph's like, dude, we gotta find a place to stay. This lady is about to have the kid, and I don't really want, I don't know, really know how to do all this delivery stuff, and probably should have a halfway decent place for her to like to lay down and a place where when this baby's born, we can maybe put it that's halfway clean. And so he goes and he's looking. And there's no room, nope, no vacancy, no vacancy, no vacancy. Oh, by the way, though, we do have like a little barn kind of cave thing out back, and I I think if you probably, you know, kind of move the spider webs out of the way and kind of clean up some of the stuff that the animals have left on the floor, you probably could find a place to lay down and and have a baby, and so that's what happened. I mean, we make it look cute in our little manger scenes, but this wasn't cute. Like there, Joseph's hanging out with Mary, probably like in a cave slash shed slash barn that smells like it would if there was animals all in it. And, and that's where she has this baby. And they basically take, and you think, oh, swaddling clothes, that's so cute. It was actually strips of cloth that they wrapped around the baby to keep him warm. And they basically take this baby and, and lay the baby in a feeding trough with hopefully some halfway clean hay, with a little bit, you know, at least the saliva from the animals has hopefully been dried off a little bit. But, I mean, this is not, it wasn't, like, really pretty and cute. But all the while, while this is happening, just a few miles away, there's these shepherds hanging out in a field. And, and, And they're just right outside of the city. They're minding their own business. They have no clue what's taking place in this barn, they have no clue that they're about to be front and center on the Christmas story. They have no clue the eternal hope they're about to gain because God is choosing them to be a part of this story. They have no clue. In fact, look at, look at what Luke says. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says, And in the same region, probably literally just a mile or two away, there were shepherds in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And, and so again, shepherds, you think about shepherds. You're, if you're a little, you know, boy, this is what you wanted. You wanted to be a shepherd in the play. Like when the Christmas play, Like, oh, I want to be a shepherd. You wouldn't want to be a shepherd if you lived back then. Because shepherds were, they were kind of looked down on. Shepherds were thieves, some of them. They were unclean in the religious system. They were not the type of guy that you wanted your daughter to bring home. These were guys that even the the religious crowd looked down on because these guys were unclean because of their job. Their job wasn't really hard. They basically took care of sheep. They protected sheep. They kind of did it outside of the city, so they never really came inside the city unless they were doing business in the city. And these guys, like I said, they were kind of looked down on in society because of their behavior, because of what they did, just the job itself, and, and, and their, their standards were, like I said, they, these guys, I mean, hung out with animals all the time, and there wasn't like showers out there. So these are dirty guys, and they're, they're out in the field, they're, they're hanging out, they're, they're just kind of minding their own business. They're not trying to be on the front of this story, and then something happens. And and what's interesting, these guys probably were really cynical toward religious people, but yet they were really important to the religious system. Because in Jerusalem, estimates say that up to 100,000 sheep were sacrificed every single year in the religious system of that day. And so these shepherds, though they weren't welcomed into the system, they were a big part of it and had a unique view of it because it was their sheep that people would come and they would take their sheep to go sacrifice these sheep for their sins. And so they had a really unique view on religion and they would have had a really unique view on this new savior, Jesus. And so while they're kind of sitting outside the city, cynical men, minding their own business, probably some sleeping, others chatting about who knows what, some of them checking on sheep. All of a sudden, things blow up. In Luke chapter 2, verse 9, it says this, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear Uh, amidst the quiet. In darkness of the night, all of a sudden, and again, we, we put it in like our little little Christmas picture, but I mean, imagine you're sitting outside like you do every night. It's dark. You've got maybe a little campfire going, and all of a sudden, the sky lights up with angels, and you're, the, the scriptures say that these guys were afraid. They were terrified. I mean, intense fear. I mean, have you ever been surprised by something where it literally like caught your heart and where you, you were kind of couldn't move for a second? You were so afraid. I remember as a kid, I was actually a teenager, my mom, I don't know why she did this, but, but I was asleep and she came and woke me up, which hey, that's okay. I'm not like upset at mom for waking me up, but for whatever reason, she wanted to get right in my face while she was waking me up. So you know this. Like my daughter that I love that's beautiful and cute, six years old, if she's right here when I wake up, she's getting punched because I don't, I, I'm, not, I'm out of it and that's what my mom, it was kind of dark in my room and my mom's like right up in my face and, and I, she wakes me up and I'm kind of caught off guard and I'm, you know, we're still friends. We still, I'm going to go to her house, she'll probably buy me a present here in a couple of days, but but that's you, you've been there a few times where you're just kind of doing your thing. You are totally caught off guard. There's this intense fear. It, it kind of, uh, you, you do something or say something that you normally wouldn't do or say. And this is what happens. I Man, these shepherds, they are paralyzed with fear. If they weren't dirty at that point, they're a little dirty. They're probably cleaning some stuff off their leg because they get scared. And and all of a sudden, they're overwhelmed by this intense brightness. They might be looking at each other like, dude, I told you we shouldn't have stole that. Look what's happening now. I mean, they might have felt guilty, but bottom line is they were afraid. And, And look what Luke, he continues on. He says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude, literally probably thousands, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so these, these guys are sitting there and these... Angels scare him half to death. And then this one angel starts to talk. And he says, hey, don't be afraid. You're not in trouble. You didn't do anything. Well, you probably did, but I'm not here to talk about that. No one's going to die today. Instead of being afraid, I want you to lean in because I'm about to tell you some really great news. And the angel says, hey, today, just a few miles from here the savior that people have been pointing to for thousands of years, the Messiah, the rescuer, the one that's been promised has been born. And he's actually in a barn in a a little area with animals not far from here. And in fact, if you'd like to, you can actually go see him if you'd like to. And, and, and these guys as they they 're sitting here they 're taking this i mean this is all hitting them really quick they 're taking this information in I, I just wonder what they had to, what, what they were feeling like once they realized they weren 't going to die and once they realized that that things were okay like what were they beginning to feel as now this one angel turns into thousands of angels that are lighting up the sky, and they're singing about this new baby that's been born, and that's in a, in a manger just a few miles from where they're sitting. And then as fast and surprising as the angels had come, they go away. Imagine the perspective of these men. They're, they're sitting there, and they're the group that God chose out of every other group to announce his son's birth. And so they're taking all this in, and, and these guys, man, they're so excited. They, they can't just sit still. I mean, have you ever had information that you just couldn't sit on? Like some of you right now, you bought something for somebody, and it is killing you not to tell them what you bought them. You've wanted to give it to them four times already. I mean, and, and there's a few of you, I and mean, we have a few in our family that, that they just, they want to they give you hints because they're so excited. They just want to tell you they can't sit on it. Well, these, these guys, man, they, they had just heard this information and all of a sudden they've seen these angels and, and they're like, man, we have to do something. We can't sit on this. And so it says this in verse 15, it says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem. I mean, let's, like, a couple miles down the road, we're, we're not far, and let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And so these guys, they have this news and they're like, man, we're not like taking the slow route. We're not taking the slow walk. Like we with urgency are so excited. Let's get to where this baby is. And so it probably didn't take them long. It's not like there's a lot of, I mean, we're not talking like Yuba City. We're not talking Sacramento. We're talking like small town, few caves, few barns. So they're, it's pretty quick. They're, they pretty quickly could find this. And as they walk into this little stable cave, they see this young, probably 14, 15-year-old lady named Mary and her to-be husband named Joseph, who's probably not much older. And then off to the side, they see just literally wrapped in some cloth, laying in a feeding trough, this baby that these angels have just sung about. It's just... Blows their mind, and probably what they did over the next few minutes is like, we got to tell you, Mary. Can we tell you what happened? Well, yeah. Can we tell you what happened? Can we explain? And and they probably just took some time and just talked and. Man, explained what had happened and told them about the angels and Mary and Joseph. Well, man, let us tell you about how this thing kind of came about on our end. And, and, and they're having this time together where they're just sitting in this, in this stable around this baby. They're talking and they're looking at who is the Savior of the world. Just lying in a, in a little trough off to the side. And, and I don't know what they were feeling, if they were feeling humility. Like, I can't believe we're the ones that get to see this baby first. I don't know if they're just so amazed that it's like hard to even put into words. Or I don't know if maybe for these guys. See, in their minds, they had seen sheep come and go that had been sacrificed. They had seen thousands of sheep born and then taken to be sacrificed. And did they even put two and two together that... This baby who's laying here in this manger is the once for all lamb that's going to take away the sin of the world. And what must this have felt like for these guys? I mean, how do you even respond as a shepherd? Look what what Luke says. He says, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them, probably like, Really? Did God, why did God come talk to you about this? And people are like, oh, this is interesting. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. And so these guys, at this point in history, were the only people that had heard and seen the baby born. They, they, they were the only ones in all of the, the whole planet that had gazed upon this baby Jesus who was the Savior of the world. And so after they spend some time with, with Mary and Joseph, it says, man, they, they just return and they're, they're praising God and they're glorifying God and they're telling other people about what they've seen, what they've experienced, what they've heard. And, and, and what started as kind of a quiet night with a group of cynical shepherds. Changed tremendously to now where these men, these same men, were passionately spreading the word about this Savior who was born. And and it's interesting to try to put yourself in their shoes and kind of understand their perspective. And I don't know that we can totally do that. But the one question that that continues to come to the forefront of, of people's minds when they think about this story is, Why the shepherds? I mean, in our minds, because we've heard the story forever, it's like, oh, yeah, the shepherds, the wise men, and, you know, have your little people that are, that are in the Christmas story. But back then, why would you choose shepherds to announce the birth of the Savior? Like, why not kings? Why not politicians? Why not people that at least had a good reputation in society? I mean, why not just normal people that maybe had a little bit more influence than these shepherds? Nobody listened to these shepherds. They were written off by the religious crowd. Why would you announce the birth of Jesus to a group of shepherds? And I think here's the reason, because God's choice is not based on the world's credentials, but His glory and purpose. You and I were choosing people, we might have not, we probably wouldn't have chosen the shepherds, but we weren't the one choosing people. And what's interesting is God's choice is usually not our choice because He's not looking at what we're looking at usually. And His goal is usually not our goal, His goal is simply His glory. And so His choices line up with. What's going to bring glory and praise to my name and this story? And God's choice, and here's what it does show us it does show us a couple things. God's choice of the shepherds, among a lot of things, it shows us two things. It shows us this, and this should encourage you, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. By God choosing the shepherds, it shows us that Jesus came for the broken, the rejected, the skeptical, and the irreligious. Like, you wouldn't choose these rugged, nasty, just bad dudes to announce your your son's birth unless you were sending a message that, you know what? My son came for a different group than what the religious crowd of the day was after. See, my son came for the, the the rugged. He came for the broken. He came for the dirty. He came for the outcast. He came for the skeptical. That's why he came. And that's one reason why I chose to tell the shepherds first. But but the second thing is this. I, I think the second reason that, that God chose the shepherds is simply this. Jesus transforms people, not religion. See, shepherds had been rejected by the religious system. And it would be a tragedy if all we had and all we had to offer people was a religious system. Because these guys would never be included and neither would we. But Jesus is the one who transforms, not religion. And instead of religion, like the shepherds, we celebrate the opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus. And for these guys, they, they were used to kind of being snubbed and looked down on all the people that were called religious of his day. They, they were looked down on because they couldn't check all the boxes you had to check to please God in that religious system. But the funny thing is, the guys in that religious system that were really proud of all the boxes they had checked were actually the people that Jesus came and grew angry with. He was the one that that said, hey, your system's broken. That's why I'm here. And and what's interesting is these shepherds, by by being the first ones, they, 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 they didn't have to get cleaned up before they went into the stable. They just heard there was some hope. They just heard there was a Savior. And they couldn't stop but get there. They had to go see it. They had to be there. And I don't think Mary and Joseph were like, "Hey, hey, buddy, have you um, did you get baptized yet? Uh, did you? What'd you watch last night on TV? And uh, do you do this? Did you check that box? All right, could you do that outside real quick? Get all that taken care of. Then you can come in and talk to Jesus. You can come see the baby then. No, it's like, hey, there, there's hope. There's a Savior. Yes, I need that. And they just came. And because that's why Jesus came. He came because He transforms, not religion. And that's why we are so focused on helping people, walking with them into a growing relationship with Jesus. Whether you're somebody who's skeptical, maybe you're even cynical of religious people, you're in great company because Jesus was. He was very cynical of the religious crowd because he did not come to bring a system. He came because he desperately wanted a relationship. He wanted a relationship. And so if you're not a follower of Christ, our desire for you is that you would embrace the hope of Christmas, and that is the birth of God's Son, Jesus. Why? Because like I said earlier, the people and things we place our hope in are not capable of satisfying us. And and don't we know that? Like, even if you're skeptical of faith and Jesus, like, there's something inside of you that knows the Red Rider BB gun is not going to satisfy me long term. The, 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 that, that new job, I'm going to get bored of that new job in a year. And, and I'm going to need and want something else. And if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, man, our desire for you is that you would lean in and start a relationship with Jesus. That, that you would just come to a place in your heart where you say, hey, God, I admit to you that I've sinned. I admit to you that that I've disobeyed you, and I I believe that you sent your son Jesus to, to die for my sin, that he rose from the grave, that he is hope, and I want a relationship with him. That's our hope for you is that in this season, that even while you're sitting there right now, you would just, between you and God, just admit to God that you need him, that you're desperate for him. That you believe that his son died and rose from the grave for you. And what happens, the Bible says, when we start a relationship with Jesus, the Bible says we become new on the inside. And then we don't do things for Jesus to gain his love. We do things for Jesus because of his love. And that's a lot. those are two different things. But if you're somebody that you'd say, hey, I am a follower of Christ. I, man, I've been a follower of Christ. You know what our desire for you is? That you walk closer with this this Jesus that that we talk about at at Christmas, this hope, that that you walk in a closer relationship with this Jesus. And in fact, in this new year, if you're part of City Walk Church, we're going to encourage you to get into a city group because we, we really believe that as you get to to spend time with other followers of Jesus and as you study the scriptures together and as you encourage one another that it will help us all get closer to Jesus. So that's why in in the new year we're going from four to six community groups. We're starting a couple new ones because we want everyone to have that opportunity because it's so crucial in us growing in our relationship with Jesus. See, before this night, the shepherds, Hope for something. I, I don't know. I'd love to sit down with them maybe the, the night before and without them knowing it. Say, hey, guys, so what's going on in your life? Like, like, what's important to you? And then to sit down with them maybe 48 hours later and ask the same question. Like, man, man, what's, what's, what do you put your hope in now? But, man, two days before they saw Jesus, they were hoping in something. They were placing their hope their, that what was going to satisfy them in Something. And then they met Jesus and it totally changed. And so we've asked this question in this series and I want you to think about this question as we come to a close. What's the object of your hope? Like like what for you is the thing that you place your hope in that's going to bring you satisfaction? And then my next question is is it bringing you satisfaction? Is it bringing you rest? Because For most of us, the the things we place our hope in bring us satisfaction for a moment and rest for a moment, but then it's back to the rat race and the search. And, And maybe what we could find is the same thing the shepherds found. We found this baby Jesus who could be the hope and the satisfaction that we've been longing for. And, and for these shepherds, man, we don't need the approval of the religious crowd. We don't need the approval of society. We now have a relationship with someone that can give us hope for eternity. And so as we, we close, we're going to have an opportunity, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're, we're going to have an opportunity to, to take communion. And, and we take communion at CityWalk about, you know, about once every quarter or so. It's kind of the rhythm that we're starting to get into. And we take communion for the same reason that the shepherds were excited about Jesus. And here's why: because Jesus is hope, Jesus is peace, Jesus is a Savior. And so you know this: that baby that those shepherds saw that night grew up. And he lived on this earth for 33 years. And during those 33 years on this earth, he never once sinned. And at the age of 33, Jesus did what he came to do. He went to a cross. He died on the cross. He shed his blood. He was nailed to a cross, not for his sin, but for my sin, for your sin. And, and then they, they took his body off that cross and they put it, him into a grave and and. Three days after they put his body in the grave, he got up out of that grave. He rose from the dead. He defeated sin. He defeated death. And so the reason that we take communion is not so that we can gain favor with God. We take communion as just simply a way to remember with gratitude what that baby Jesus who was born in a manger grew up and did for us because we couldn't save ourselves. And so when we take communion, we take a, a cup of juice, and we take a little cracker of bread, and, and the bread represents Jesus' body that was broken for us on that cross. should have been my body that was broken. It should have been your body that was broken, but it was His. He did it for us. That cup, it represents His blood that was shed for our sins. should have been my blood. should have been yours. But He did it for us. And so in just a second, we're just going to... Just kind of take a few minutes, give you an opportunity to just sit there in your seat and, and pray, and then as you feel led, you can go to, there's three uh, stations with communion. There's two on each side, and then there's one right in the back. You can just take the cup and the, the bread, and you can come back to your seat. And here at City Walk Church, the only two requirements we have for someone taking communion are the same two the Bible has, and that is that you're a follower of Jesus, That there's come a time in your life where you have trusted Jesus as your Savior. And then the second requirement the Bible tells us is that we would take an opportunity to examine ourselves before we take communion. So that if there's any sin in our hearts, that we can confess that to God. And so I'm going to come down here and just pray. And and, uh, you can just quietly in your seats pray. And then when you feel led, you can go to one of the three stations. You don't have to. You can get communion, come back to your seat And then here in about three or four minutes, I'll get up and close us in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful. We're grateful for your birth, the birth of your son, Jesus. And Lord, we're grateful that you sent angels to tell the shepherds. And Lord, we uh, don't totally know why you chose the shepherds first, but we, we do imagine it was because of what your son was coming to do who he was coming to save. Your word tells us that when Jesus was criticized for hanging out with people that were sinners and tax collectors, that he made clear to the religious crowd that he had not come for those that were healthy, but he he had come for those who needed a savior. And God, I pray for each of us that we would never, ever put ourselves above needing you. I pray whether we've been following you for 30 years or maybe we're new to following you, maybe we're still investigating faith, I pray that we would never leave a place of dependence and gratitude for what you did for us. Thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for taking the beating and the humiliation that I deserved for my sin. Thank you for going to the grave, and then three days later, getting up out of the grave to prove that you were God and to prove that you had defeated death and sin. And I pray that we as individuals and as a gathering would be a group of people that walk through our day with joy and gratitude because of what our Savior has done for us. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us. In Jesus' name, amen.